Gracious and loving God, we pray that you might speak to us this morning, that we might remove the masks that we carry and allow your grace to penetrate deep into who we truly are, your children. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, like I mentioned uh, earlier, we're in our third Sunday together of this book called The Authenticity Challenge, uh, written by my friend Sarah Heath, pastor in Costa Mesa. Um, Sarah and I actually have been doing this sermon series together, and so we've been working on it and reading over some of the scriptures together. Um, And so we've been sharing a little bit some of those ways in which we can uh, let down our masks a little bit. And and we were talking about the challenges that we had over this past week. And so um, I know that everyone has a different challenge that might uh, particularly stand out to you. But um, for those of you who feel like you could just never do the computer as much as you ought to, or you always feel behind, I'm going to let down my mask for a minute and share with you my most challenging day. One of our days was the unsubscribe challenge. Did any of you get that one? Where you unsubscribe from as many of those sort of advertisements that you get or whatever it is that you don't find joy in. So, Quenna, you can put the image and you'll know why this was the hardest one for me this week. So, some of you type A people will see this and the bottom left and just cringe. I have 14 15,900 unread emails in my inbox, okay? So if you ever feel bad about your inbox, know that mine is worse than yours, okay? My church email is much better, by the way, than my own personal Gmail. If you ever want to get a hold of me, I tell my family to email my church email. You can take that down. But email my church email and not my personal email. All of my kids' school stuff goes to my church email because that one doesn't have, you know, the deal websites. That one doesn't have the best. By any place that I've purchased anything online, which has been a lot over the course of my, you know, time of having this Google account. So it was a stressful day for me. I tried for about a half an hour of my devotional time, but I did not make it through that day. But one of the things I, I bring that to you is that we're all in this together, this authenticity challenge. That, you know, sometimes you know, some of you might see me and I give you your talk on technology and the things that you do and you're just like, I wish I could be like him. Well, now you have a reason to wish not to be like me, right? Because <laughs> the grass is always greener, isn't it? The grass is always greener on the other side. And that's part of what this journey has been of the authenticity challenge. It's by beginning to say, that God has made me a child of God. And that if I strip down those things that I want to become in the new year, the the better version of myself, the one who does all the things that I should have done last year, well, if I don't achieve that, I'm left with nothing. When in fact, God sees us as a child of God, beloved. And, And some of the most faithful people that I've learned from over the years are not the people that have become the the brightest and the best at everything they do, but in fact, they're the people that strip down those masks and are just real people with us. And you get to know them for who they are and what they care about and what they're about. And that sort of innocent self that God made them as is so beautiful and so inspiring for me. And so over the course of this three or three and a half week challenge, four Sundays, I hope that that's what we're moving towards and that's our prayer more and more. 
Well, this Sunday, our focus is a little bit on what we do together. And, and that's what our challenges is, were. You know, last week we talked about who are you and you're a child of God. So if you missed last week, that's the main point. God loves you, you're a child of God, and God sees you in that beautiful image, period. So now the question is, is what we do. Because I would venture to say that what we do sometimes is built so much on the feeling that we have that we're not enough. And so what we do is we try to portray to people, we take the selfies, we do all the things that we do to show people that we are good enough, worthy, or that person that they think we are, right? So don't ever show people how full your inbox is if you're a technology person, all that to say. And one of the things that Sarah and I were wrestling through this morning, or for this morning's uh, scripture reading, was uh, this story from Paul, the Apostle Paul. And, and some of you know I love the Apostle Paul, and I love the drama that unfolds in his ministry and his missions together. And so I'm going to tell you just a little bit of that if you have forgotten from last year in the fall when we went through this together, because I know you all remember specifically every uh, step along that journey. But the Apostle Paul essentially feels called to serve God by bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were just radically different in the mindset of the Jewish people than the Jews. So to be part of God's elect, God's chosen, God's gifted with grace people, you had to become Jewish first in the mindset of most Jews. But Paul had this radical idea that he would go around and he would tell people that they were one in Christ, and that they did not, in fact, need to become circumcised, which is essentially another way of saying need to become Jewish before they inherited God's grace. In fact, he said he didn't need to do that at all. And so he, he was feeling pretty good, and he was doing great ministries, but there were some Jewish Christians at the time that did not like Paul's message in full. They thought his message of hope and reconciliation given to all people was great, but they weren't quite ready to give up the Torah, the law. And so they went around kind of systematically to some of his churches and started telling them, well, Paul is right, but he got this wrong. And one of the people that we know, or we think we know, that was doing that was this person Apollos that was mentioned in the scripture reading this morning. And you can see that, the tension that's growing amidst this church of uh, Corinth and, you know, as the drama unfolds a little bit, that, you know, this group of people were Christians and things were going well and they were learning and growing. And then all of a sudden this teacher comes along and says, yeah, well, Paul doesn't have quite a right. And then some of them, you know, start to follow in that vein of thought. And then all of a sudden, some start quarreling with each other and you, you feel it throughout the entire book when it's about eating meat or not eating meat uh, because they were sacrificed to idols or the ways in which they believe about the bodily resurrection. A lot of the book of Corinth is tied up into this tension around the people that, around who the people were following. And I'll have a confession, another authenticity confession for you, is that I like to be right. Did you know that? So 
Um, I, I've studied, I went to Duke, I did all these things, and in fact, I made it through the rigid Board of Ordained Ministries to give the right answer, right? And I don't, I, they're not rigid. But you do have to give the right answers as you go through the ordination process in the Methodist Church. You have to use John Wesley and Charles Wesley and talk about the different means of grace, and you have to talk about what the difference is between sanctification and provenient and all these theological words that you have. And, and I think that one of the downsides for me that it's played in my life is that now I think sometimes that I have answers to give, right? I have answers to give. And in fact, when I go and I talk to other people who perhaps think differently, I kind of, you know, excuse them a little bit quicker than I ought to. So uh, for example, uh, the other day I was reflecting a little bit on my past. And one of the churches I had grown up going to was an Assemblies of God church. Um, and so if you've, any of you have ever gone to an Assemblies of God church, you know it's exactly the same as our Sunday morning experience, right? Um, and I'm joking by that because it's not the same because you have a lot more clapping, a lot more uh, speaking in tongues. You know, people will lay hands on over other people and they'll do different things. And, um, and, I, and that was a main part of my Christian upbringing in high school when I became a Christian. I would worship at this Assemblies of God church. But I have grown since then. And I, now I look back on some of those times and, and I remember this one time I invited my mom and, and my grandma to this Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames like drama, right? And it was literally just like different scenes at trying to scare people to believe in Jesus. Otherwise, you know, this was the heaven scene of making the right choices. And then the people that were like tortured and, you know, all these other scenes that were going on. And, and I'm not trying to get into a heaven and hell debate. I just don't necessarily know that I'm in the place where I would do the sort of scare you into believing in Jesus so you don't get tortured for all of eternity peace, right? And when I talk to people about that, you know, I'm quick to say, yeah, I'm not so sure I would do that, or I'm not so sure I would believe that. And so I could see in this group, if some of you started to go to that sort of drama and start saying to other people and start talking to other people, all of a sudden a significant group of you really wanted us to do this, and then we started quarreling as a church, I would probably take a side in the debate, right? I would probably take a side, because I like to be right, Right? And I think this week, when I think about what we do and our authenticity mask that we need to take off the mask that we wear, is a lot of times driven out of the best intentions. Because my best intention is that we don't treat one another poorly and that we treat people with God's grace and God's love. But sometimes I can come across as this side, right? that this is the answer, that this is the way, that this is what we're supposed to do. And so we're reflecting on this, and it's surprising that Paul believed, he was passionate about what? Everyone being one in the body of Christ. And then he had the humility to say, what are we? Who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We water, or we plant, but God gives the growth. We plant, but God gives the growth. And as I was looking back on my time as Assemblies of God and the ways I've grown out of it, I think about that. Planted and God grows. 
I know none of you, I know it's been a little bit theological, but none of you have the experience of a coworker um, that just can't get anything right without your instructions, right? Or none of you have uh, the experience of the students who just can't learn the way that you're teaching them, you know? Or the people that just can't do their finances the way that you need them to. Sometimes we operate out of best intentions and we treat other people in that way, the things that we do. And it leaves us kind of pretending like we know everything because in truth be told, we don't. And then it also leaves them feeling like they are inadequate. Like they are essentially not enough. Not a child of God. And so when we look through what we do, are we doing it out of who we are, just like the gift that God has given us? Or are we trying to be something and try to treat other people in some other way? You know, what would you do if someone kind of comes through and tells your kids that, you know, Your mom's parenting advice wasn't that great. (laughs) Would you say, well, you know, we just planted the seed. God gives the growth. Are we able to be wrong? Are we able to sort of sacrifice the ability to change someone else for the better? I think one of the greatest issues in the church in Christian church in America, is uh, what I would call the savior complex. And what I mean by that is that we can get so caught up into fixing people and saving people that we miss opportunities to minister with people. That it's all about doing the things that we think they need in order to get through remember one of my learning experiences when I was pastor in, in North Carolina. Actually, it was at my internship church uh, at Evergreen United Methodist Church. And they started doing this uh, thing called circles of support. And one of the claims that the circles of support had is they would walk alongside people that are at the cusp of breaking through the barrier of systemic poverty that they had kind of lived in sort of the cycle of poverty throughout their life and probably throughout generations. But one of the assumptions is that it's not about us, you know, giving them a scholarship or us giving them a car or us doing something for them, you know, the, the things that we do to fix them. Instead, it was about circling someone with resources and partners. And they believed that that person who was in systemic poverty they could develop sort of goals for them to get out and that the circle would come alongside them and support them. And the things that they learned, you know, so easy for us to say, what do you mean? Just go get your ID so you can drive the car that you already have so that you can go to the job that you're always late for. The easy things that we can do to fix someone were in fact not so easy. 
We know this in Hawaii because our DMV takes a long time. In North Carolina, it was faster in other places. But they realized the, the process of getting their uh, birth certificate and getting all of the identifications that they had been misplaced by their parents when they were doing different things and finally ending up with the ID was not a simple walk into the DMV for an hour, maybe two-hour visit. That it was more complicated and more difficult than they had expected. That they realized that getting the job that fit the, you know, the convenient bus schedule that we have that's you know, very affordable all throughout the island was not as easy as it was just to say, let's do that. And so they circled around this person instead of believing that they could save this person. They believed that this person was a child of God. And we're going to help that person live out of it. And uh, when we, I moved to a different church, uh, University United Methodist Church in Chapel Hill, and we had that same program that we were involved in. And I remember um, speaking to uh, a, just a Hanai grandma for my kids, you know, sort of an extended family, adopted our family. And she was in this circle program, and she would come and hang out with us, and she would tell us frustration after frustration after frustration of the things that these circle, the person that they're trying to help would do. Because it didn't match the way that we would have wanted to do it. But ultimately, in hindsight, she saw something more about the image of God in this person. Some of you who know you've had learning disabilities and throughout your entire school program, you've had to learn and think and do something differently than everyone else. And you know, have people that will say to you, it's just easy. Just do the math like this or read the textbook like this, will know that those phrases, those tests, are not as easy as it is for you as it was for them. That you think, and you learn, and you test differently. How do we remove our masks of having all the answers? How do we do things in our life, not only for someone, but with someone? To walk alongside them, to listen to them, to be honest with them. Throughout the, the next few weeks, when we move together to the why, we've got to be willing to allow ourselves to be humble, to know we don't have the answers. We've got to be willing to receive this thing that we talk about all the time. And that's grace. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We look at other people as they need to be perfect or they are perfect, but they're not perfect. And they might not act perfectly. Let's be authentic with who we are. And let's repeat the phrase of Paul, who are we but servants of God? And let's trust that God will water and God will grow. I invite you to pray with me.